0: Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. It's not,
1: it's not essentially so much the actual 40 time as it is the 10-yard split. And part of it is, is—is look, we're in an era with some ridiculously talented defensive players. Guys like J.J. Watt with the amazing size, athletic ability, and quickness that they have. These guys are going to blow up a running play in three quarters of a second.
0: Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson, getting the music levels ready there behind me. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. Waiting. Nick, what's up, buddy?
1: Uh, not much. I saw Josh Gordon applied for reinstatement today, so should anybody <laughs> be actually realistically getting excited about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I
0: saw that and kind of laughed, too. I was like, eh, well, good for him.
1: Good luck there, good buddy. Good luck,
0: um, Yeah. hmm Let's hope he doesn't celebrate tonight. Um, but anyway, as always, we are brought to brought to you by FantasyData.com. Your your source for fantasy inside information. Just small monthly fee helps you destroy your friends. And who can put a price on that? Really, um, great show for you today as we look at the NFC East. Going to recap the. The whole division, look at some dynasty and fantasy values going forward into the next season. Also do a little bit of draft needs. Uh, got a, a wonderful dynasty dilemma for you today. Um, Miles Garrett versus uh, uh, Derek Barnett, which is apparently David versus Goliath. Um, we know how that ends up. But anyway... That's all I'll say about that for now. Of course, we'll get the Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants. Uh, for against with Mr. Cole Beasley, some dynasty trade analysis. Best number 52. And just for Nick, a little Redskins trivia. So this is going to be a great show. And, of course, it's Nick's Nick's team. So uh, we'll, we'll get to them at some point in time. But a couple things in the headlines the last couple days. Obviously, Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles have both been cut loose um does this their availability nick do you think that hurts my guy latavius murray's appeal on the open market what do you think
1: well murray's uh quite a few years younger than those guys so i I think his uh his stock is probably unchanged would be my guess just because i don't think there's going to be a huge demand for either adrian peterson or or uh, jamal charles given the age and the injury history those two have
0: okay okay good point there
1: um you know, Adrian's
0: already been linked to uh the Raiders and we know of course Jerry Jones likes likes him as well, so uh be interesting there. But uh yeah, I think I really think the Packers would be a good team for him to sign to sign with. That would really stick it to those Liking fans. There's a lot of a lot of Giants buzz out there too for AP. I, I really don't know. Charles is gonna have to pass a really strenuous physical test, I would imagine, until somebody gives him a, some uh money, that's for sure. Uh, and unfortunate for him that this is kind of how his career is winding down. But yeah, I don't know what what his future really looks like. Murray is 27, so he's not he's not super young, but uh, uh, he he should he should get a bunch of money I think to to do something for somebody. I'm not sure if it's going to be at Oakland or where he's going to sign exactly yet. But uh, I wish him luck. Uh, how about Isaiah Crowell? Maybe a little a headline that kind of slipped through the cracks. Gets slapped with a second round tender. Uh, Yes, please. Am I crazy to think? I would gladly trade Oakland Raiders second, second round pick for that. I mean, I know it's a big running back mark, but I, I would like to see them hit the ground with experience at all positions this year. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think a second round is too too high, especially how deep the pool is both in free agency and the draft If at running back position. I, I just think a second-round pick is too high for anybody to give up, and I think that's what, what Cleveland figured, and that's why they did that, so they would be assured of uh, retaining him. Okay, uh, that does make sense. He is 24 years old,
0: has three years of NFL experience. I mean, that's not always a good thing when you're talking about mileage on a running back, but it's not like he's got you know, three years of 300 touches either. So he's he's certainly a guy that I, I, I like a lot. I'm not going to go out there and tell people that and, and trade a bunch off for him, but I think he's a guy that's, even if he remains in Cleveland, he's a guy that's going to slip down. ADP-wise and would be one of those last started running backs drafted and start up, so I, I like him a lot. Uh, Mr. AB84 got paid, that's for sure, and Lev Bell franchise tag. I don't know if there's a, a whole lot to say about that, Nick, right? I mean, obviously, APs deserve either to the money and they want to keep uh, Left Bill around for one more year. I think it was kind of a move they had to do, right?
1: Oh, definitely. And uh, Antonio Brown might even be able to keep a little bit more of that money than he would have. Uh, okay, I saw a headline today that the NFL is thinking of loosening the uh, t- touchdown celebration penalties. So, good news for AB4. <laughs>
0: it's about time. And somewhere, somewhere, uh william gay is dancing uh just from that news alone uh and we didn't i didn't really want to necessarily spend a whole lot of time on it because we've talked about a, a few last few weeks but uh Kirk cousins saga like kind of uh kind of saga kind of continues i think it's officially sit with the franchise tag but it sounds like there's still my a deal could possibly get done even though people are saying no what what, what have you heard there nick
1: Well, the latest rumor I heard was that uh, Washington is going to need an RG3 type of trade uh, in order to trade Cousins, and, of course, they gave up three firsts and a second in order to move up to get RG3. Uh, There's no way anybody's given that up. Uh, That just seems like a posturing to me. I think if somebody offered a first and a second, that would be a no-brainer. They would probably trade him away. But now Cousins also said he wouldn't sign a long-term deal with anybody other than San Francisco, apparently. So, yeah, lots of drama there. (laughs) Nothing new in D.C. Well, at least we know where he
0: wants to go. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. Man, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but nobody would trade that. But And no offense to your Redskins, but how did you give that up in the first place? I mean, it makes more <laughs> sense to, to trade that for somebody who actually has done something on an NFL field than it does to take a chance on getting the second overall pick. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely, but I guess they were enamored with uh with the things RG three did in a, at a Baylor and and you know what it really was a magical rookie season that he had. It's a shame that this, the team broke him. Yeah, when Shanahan there year two for RG uh, three, yes,
0: RG3? Okay. yes, yes, I believe, and he was. just kind of and he just wasn't healthy. He kind of got himself broke at the end of that rookie year and really wasn't that healthy going in, so well, we're going to get to the dilemma, and uh, in case you missed it, (laughs) I put this to a Twitter poll, and it was (laughs) easily one of the most lopsided Twitter polls ever, and I really wish people, I hope they read it, IDP Future, I mean, they just, I don't know, I felt it was maybe a little bit lackadaisical on some people's parts, but anyway, let's play the music I'll get to it here (laughs) in a second. Nothing else but confrontation. Hold it now. Oh. Come on, come on. Okay. Now, I realize that Garrett might be the best player in this draft draft class but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best idp player um let me let me maybe just rephrase that for one second here i think it's maybe just like i said a little lazy just to assume that he's going to be the best player i mean i think i think some of us generally know better when when we look at idp guys about how to just automatically assume something like that that does not mean, you know, he might be the best one of the, viewed as the best player in the draft, but does not mean he's the best ID player. If you're in a sack-heavy scoring system, I'll grant you that Garrett is a very intriguing process. Yet I believe Barnett is the complete package. I know I should not be enamored with one play, but on one of Barnett's highlight reels, there is a play where he's basically asked to drop back into pass coverage. So he's about five or five yards off of the line of scrimmage. Now, this is a 4-3-4, four, four, excuse me, a 4-3-DN doing this. Their opponent tries to screen to the to the flat, to their tight end in the flat, and Barnett sniffs it out and absolutely buries the kid. Again, it's just one play, but it tells so much about his ability to read and react on the fly. It showcases also a level of maturity that I don't think the rawer or Derrick can necessarily attest to. Barnett produces this massive thunder from his wide thighs that I truthfully have not seen since the days of Reggie White. He also has a well-rounded enough to be... He's also well-rounded enough to be a beast versus the run. Garrett is definitely a quick twitch player, yet I believe Barrett, excuse me, Barnett, can produce more consistently than Garrett, who will be holding to his sack total first and foremost. Barnett averaged 5.1 5.1, tack, 5.1 tackles per game, while Garrett averaged a whole tackle less at 4.1 in college. Barnett also recorded 31 sacks versus Power 5 competition. Garrett produced only 15 sacks versus Power 5 schools. Why the difference in numbers, you ask? Is it possible Garrett was surrounded by more talent? If so, will he be able to rise up for whatever bad team that drafts him in the top five picks? Garrett is being labeled as a scheme friendly player, which means he is far more likely to be burdened with the LB designation. Barnett feels like a, a, a lot safer bet to remain at defensive end. Garrett's long legs, long scampering legs, could scream outside linebacker to the Browns or whoever drafts him. Basically, we know what Barnett is. He's is a rock solid 4 3 end, and since he looks to get drafted beyond that best player available point. He should get dropped into the right situation for him and his future IDP accolades. Again, if you are a sack-heavy player, Garrett is, looks looks like the real deal pass rusher extraordinaire. Please remember, these annual 15 sack guys take time to develop, sometimes three or four years. Barnett already has that edge center mentality and the know-how. Garrett has, long, has his long legs sometimes get him caught upfield. NFL teams will exploit those who overpursue, and his tackled, tackles will literally slip through Garrett's fingers. When evaluating rookies, I often fall back into what I believe their ADP will be. At this point, Garrett is getting some end-of-the-first-round buzz. That would be a ridiculous pick to use on a player who plays a position that takes an average of three years to develop. Let, let them drink that poison Kool Aid, I say. I will I will take OJ Howard, Curtis Samuel, Ruben Foster, even Jamal Adams. Based on my based on my Twitter plan earlier this week, which is which you uh, will see when I post the article about this here. Barnett is not even close to Garrett as a prospect in the eyes of many of the IDP experts' opinions I know expert opinions I know and trust. So I will gladly wait until mid round three to take Barnett. And by the way, if you're wondering, the, the result of that poll was Barnett got zero votes. I got 48 total votes. I should have left it run for a couple days, but 48 total votes, every single one for Miles Garrett. That's that's just a, la- a lazy take, I think, on this pick because everybody's just assuming that obviously he's going to have opportunity, but I just think he's not quite to Barnett's level. Nick, what do you got on on Miles Garrett, the best overall player in this
1: draft class? mm <laughs> Well, you, you made a lot of good points there, especially uh, you, you said he went at the end of the first round in a, in one draft. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, he's a third-round pick uh, probably is a ceiling or should be a ceiling in uh, in rookie drafts. But anyway, uh, normally I spend half my time talking down your guy, Josh, but I'm not going to do that today. I, I do think that Derek Barnett is a pretty decent player, and there's a very good argument to be made that he'll be a better value in rookie drafts, let somebody else set the market for defensive ends and take Garrett, and then swoop in a few picks later or even a round later depending on how if somebody reaches uh for Garrett like they did in that mock draft. Uh but if you've got a loaded team and you're only a defensive lineman away from being set across the board, how are you not taking the most talented uh and possibly the number 1 overall pick in the NFL draft Miles Garrett? Uh, it's so rare to see somebody six five, two seventy with his athleticism, explosiveness, and agility. Uh, some of Garrett's critics say he's raw, and that he relies on his physical ability too often. But you know what? For most rookie pass rushers, they are going to be raw, even the older 23-, 24-year-old rookies that come into the league. Whereas Garrett, he's young. He won't even turn 22 until December. There's so much time that he has to have hone his craft. So you're right. He probably won't be effective immediately, uh, but the ceiling is so high for this kid. In three seasons at Texas A&M, he had 141 tackles, 7 forced fumbles, and 31 sacks. Now, if you don't follow college football, you may have forgotten that Texas A&M is now in the SEC. So Garrett, just like Barnett, has been competing against the best of the best in NCAA. So if you, again, if you have a need at the position and Garrett, the most talented player in the draft, is there in the middle to late third round maybe. Right now, I think he's DFW's number 42 ranked rookie. You just have to take him.
0: Uh I will say this. I did I have watched extensive film on both of these guys having watched the rookie profiles. And like I said with the sack thing, Garrett, only fifteen sacks, uh I think eleven of those eleven or twelve of those came in the SEC. And when he went up against top competition like uh Cam Robinson who's more than likely a first round pick, you know, might may, it might be a right tackle on the NFL level, but probably a first round pick here. He he only had like maybe two plays where he actually got past him. Um, and that, that really spoke volumes to me about, about what, what he, where he's at, at least at this point in time. Um, I, I've, I just, I, I love Barnett and I think it's, you know, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not taking this side just to be contrarian. Um, I don't know, but Howard hates that word, but, um, yeah, I just, I just, I, and i and I'm, and I'm not doing it for press. I just think it's, I just think it's not that cut and dry a decision, you know. Maybe, you know, maybe these guys are. Maybe it's basically Reggie White versus Bruce Smith. I think. I mean, I think they both have that type of potential. I could see Miles Garrett turning into that player. I just think it's going to take time, and you know, sometimes it, it's Cleveland. You know, <laughs> he's stuck in. He's going to be stuck in Cleveland for five years. Uh, that that might not be the best thing either, if that if that is the case. So. Any other thoughts there, Nick? Um,
1: no, that is a good point, though that uh, Cleveland is not the uh, most friendly landing spot for rookies. Mm-hmm.
0: And he, you know, for all accounts, he seems like a good kid. Daniel Jeremiah had his high school coach on the other day, and he he seems like a great kid, a great people person, somebody who's going to be be able to uh, help the team out and be uh, go you know go in there with a good attitude. I'm just not. Uh, a, a, I struggle, and I, and I get it. I think it all comes down to ADP. When you, I can't see passing up a guy, even like a guy like Curtis Samuel, who I think could, I would, if I had to pick a side on one, have him catching like, you know, 40, 50 balls this year, I would probably say yes over no, even though he doesn't have a team yet. He would be like the perfect landing spot for, for a team like Dallas, I think would be awesome to have a third down back like that. So I just, even like an OJ Howard, I mean, and I know tight ends take time to develop too, but I just think there's not there's not as many, and we see pass rushers come out every single year for us to take a guy. But like you said, beyond three point one, I think is is crazy ahead of three point one. So let's get to the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick. Um, wide is wide receiver or running back their their biggest need.
1: Well, I think it's got to be wide receiver, unless the coaches know something about Nelson Aguilar actually figuring things out. Uh, they had so many <laughs> drops last year. Uh, and I know the running backs aren't elite, but they are serviceable, I think. Jordan Matthews is likely a wide receiver, too, at best. Uh, Aguilar and uh, Doral Green-Beckham definitely are not wide receiver ones at this point. So they, they've they got to find somebody else who can catch the ball.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this is a deep enough class where, you know, if they, they want to go Corey Davis or Mike Williams in the first – I think the running back class is deep enough for them to find somebody. But I, I really think, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Kenny Stills going there via free agency. That would be a good play for them. Even, even a guy like Kenny read I know he, he's up there in age, but maybe he could help those, those young guys out. You know, for it's certainly the guy that's had to earn it his whole career, maybe he could go there and help those, help those young guys out. Um, but, the R B class is deep. So I see I think I wouldn't be surprised to see them draft both positions, but uh you're probably right. If they if they could even if they got a guy like uh John Ross, a guy that could really you know, take the top off the defense. You know, there's been some Deshaun Jackson hype of him going back there too. So uh, we'll see we'll see what the draft brings and but three agencies obviously which comes first. Um which I D P player, Nick do you think is going to benefit the most with one year of experience in the sports system now
1: Um, I think it's going to be Jordan Hicks. He he didn't have a bad second year. uh, uh, Played all 16 games, had 85 tackles. But after he had 50 tackles in only eight games his rookie season, many were hoping for over 100 last year. And I do think that's going to happen in 2017. Uh, He's not a huge sack guy. He's only had one sack each season. But he's still a playmaker. Uh, Five interceptions last year for a linebacker is a very respectable number. But uh, he only hit double-digit tackles in one game. Uh, I think that's going to improve.
0: Yeah, very good point, point. and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and it wasn't my original idea, I think I just saw it on Twitter, but, you know, Hicks, or Hicks had a torn bicep last year, which ended his rookie season, and he really didn't have a chance to uh, to do a lot of conditioning, he was more just so working on recovering and getting back onto the field, so hopefully he comes back as a little more of a uh, focused player, so that's, that'll be a Something to keep your eyes on. I, you know, I think Brandon Graham could actually step up and have a, have a good, uh, better year than he had. He's not this big, flashy guy and that's going to give you twelve, fifteen sacks. But I, I could comfortably pencil him in for maybe eight sacks and fifty tackles, and that's 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 a pretty serviceable defensive end numbers. You know, it's not wow, but it's certainly a guy that you know he can produce. You know, those consistent. You know. Three to five tackle range per game. I think I could. I think I could handle that. You know, cu- coming out of him. So I think he. I think he's a guy that's is another guy that's like a Kenny Britt who's really struggled to uh, find his spot in the NFL. And I think they they found a good spot for him, and he's make certainly taking advantage of it. And I'd like to see him grow within that system one more year. Now, we did talk a few weeks ago. Was that last week, Nick? Were you? Oh, that was Alonzo. But there's also some thought about uh, Jordan Hicks possibly moving. I think he mentioned that a few weeks ago. Two outside linebacker. I know there's some rumblings about that. I think that all will depend on if they can find a trade partner or not for Michael Kendricks. He seems to be a guy uh, on the block right now that gave him some money. And, unfortunately, he didn't didn't really translate into what the Schwartz system wanted. So, something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod are – basically glowing examples of both safeties in a 4-3 scheme being IDP relevant. I know that's more of a statement Nick did uh, Nick for, than a question, but I, it's something that I've been rattling around in the IDP brain. You know, we, there, obviously a lot of people prefer free safety, or excuse me, strong safeties to free safeties when it comes to IDP. But I think in the 4-3, and, I, and I've noticed this all the last couple of years with the Raiders, one guy isn't necessarily always the free safety. It kind of shifts to, like, maybe the strong side of the field where they'll take turns being strong and free safety. And I think Philadelphia really kind of hammered that home with those two guys because they are both top-tier IDP defensive backs. What do you think, Dick?
1: Uh, Yeah, and it's not just in in Philadelphia. We also see it in Green Bay with multiple safeties uh, being IDP relevant. Uh, Rodney McLeod, 80 tackles. Malcolm Jenkins, 69 tackles you know, I do fully admit that my biggest weakness in fantasy is identifying how IDP guys are going to fit into the scheme. So uh, just thank goodness, I guess, for uh, talented writers guiding guiding the way for those of us who aren't quite as uh, knowledgeable on that front.
0: Uh, well, I try. And even if it's just trend spotting, I certainly try. And I think the opposite of that, safety in the 3-4. You know, that that one guy – that one guy is more of a more of a the strong safety is more of a rover. You generally have bigger outside linebackers in the three four to to make up for, you know, the less less guys along the defensive end and then you really need that free safety to be kind of that center fielder, that speed guy in the vacuum of your defense and and that strong safety usually picks up the you know, the tight end or the running back too. But free safety is more, like I said, of a center fielder and not a guy that kind like, of not a guy that you're going to see in the box very often, I think. In the three-four, I could be totally wrong, but that's what my IDP brain has uh, spotted trend-wise over over the last couple of years. And if I I get some time, I'll try to figure out a, an article about that. So, um, or if I'm making sense, and somebody wants to write an article and send it to me, I will read it. Uh, draft needs for this team. Obviously, we kind of touched the wide receiver, running back. Is that is that a first round? idea there, Nick, or what What do you think for this team early and kind of long term there? What do you think?
1: Well, I think a lot of it depends on who they go after in free agency. Uh, they have the either the 14th or 15th overall pick. Uh, the coin flip's coming on Friday, I believe. Uh, but somewhere in, in the off season, they have to provide another quality wide receiver. After they gave up so much to draft Carson Wentz last year, got us around him with some talent. Uh, but there are lots of rumors of free agent wide receivers ending up there. D. Jacks, uh, Kenny Stills. Uh, if they can't land a good one in free agency, I think they have to draft one here. If not, I think cornerback would probably be as likely a pos- as a position as any. They do have a couple of. Uh, free agents there in the secondary Nolan Carroll and uh Leodis McKelvin.
0: Uh yeah, they um I think that's the general consensus in and uh Eagles camp Maybe their their top need is is cornerback. They just need and I think you know if you want to if you want to build around people at taking a guy in the first round it it, it is risky but that's obviously where the where the top talent's going to go in this class. So I will, you know, I wouldn't be surprised like I said earlier to see RV wide receiver and probably a couple a couple of quarterbacks and, may, and maybe another maybe another nickel guy, maybe a, you know a cornerback safety hybrid type of player. I think that's certainly going to be the case. I think that you know they could everybody could always use an old lineman. People seem to grab one of those guys every year. Um maybe maybe a guy that a guy that can fill in along the defensive line here and there, kind of. Barnett's another guy that's been linked to them, like we talked about earlier. He's a uh, he's a guy that they could kind of move all up and down their line, and and certainly be a, a a player, a good player in spots for them. So, a lot a lot of needs there for a team that obviously didn't make the playoffs last year. So we'll see we'll see what the direction they're going. But like I said, I'm thinking wide receiver, running back, probably a couple cornerbacks, offensive linemen, maybe a defensive lineman in there too. They seem okay at linebacker right now. Let's get to your Redskins, Nick. Uh we already addressed the Kirk Cousins portion of the show, but uh what's well, I thought we'd look into the future. Um and I really need a clip really need a clip when I say something like that. I feel like I've I, I lose myself there for a second. Um what are our predictions, Nick? Break down the Redskins R B depth chart. Week eight of the two thousand seventeen season. What do you got?
1: Well, if they don't add anybody, then I don't really see a reason to change what it is right now. Uh, Rob Kelly, number one. Chris Thompson is the third down back. Uh, Matt Jones and Matt Brown, backup Kelly, possibly Mac Brown being the number two guy over Mac, Matt Jones. Um, you know, Keith Marshall is the one guy to watch on that depth chart. If he, if he returns healthy, he has a lot of speed. Uh, right now he's the backup, third down back to Chris Thompson, but he could make some noise in the preseason, somebody to watch. Uh, Matt Jones, you know, he had the starting job going into the last season and, and then lost it. It's tough to see him. Winning it back, in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah, I actually saw him dropped in one of my dynasty leagues. Not not an expert league by any means, but uh, just to let you know where some people are at with him. Um, Yeah, I would probably think Keith Marshall is probably going to be close to thousand yards at that point, right, week eight. Um, (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) as as a Keith Marshall owner in in several leagues, I'm holding out hope, but uh, it's probably probably right. I I would. I mean, I don't know where they're at with Matt Jones, but if the, if if he's third on their Ivory depth chart, I, I, I almost wonder if he's on this roster throughout the entire season. So we'll see how that shakes out. You're probably right, Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson. Um, I've heard a few Chris Thompson trade rumors out there. I, I don't know if there's any truth to that at all, but uh, he seems to be a nice player that – that works in their system and a nice, a nice little safety valve third down guy. That's pretty safe. I I don't know about Brown. I think Marshall certainly has a lot more potential than him. And uh, he'd, he'd be a sneaky play to maybe he's, maybe he's their top running back. I I don't know. I'm I'm just, maybe I'm just wishful, but uh, I'd like to think he's still healthy and, and getting some, getting some love there in the mix. So maybe they have a, Maybe they have a three-headed monster that Kansas City had a couple of years ago, but uh, I'll go, I'll go with you. I'm going to go Kelly Thompson, Marshall, Matt Jones to the Arena League, and I don't even know who that brown guy is. So <laughs> I think I kind of <laughs> know who he is. Was he was he in St. Louis
1: before that? Right? Uh, that I guy? don't think so. I yeah. thought he I thought he was an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. I could oh, be wrong.
0: You know, You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of Malcolm Brown. There's two of them. There's a defensive tackle, and I think the other Malcolm Brown is still the backup there to Ty Gurley. So we'll leave it at that. I'm losing myself here. What are some reasonable goals for your your prize first round pick last year, Nick? uh, Josh Jackson, what what are some reasonable
1: goals for him? Well, he missed basically all of 2016. He played a little bit when he probably shouldn't have. Seems like the Redskins uh, love playing those injured first-round picks. Um, I I would guess that they either re-sign one or both of the free agent wide receivers, Garcon, Deshaun Jackson, or get another guy. So as long as he's not expected to be the wide receiver one, I would say 750 yards and five scores would be a decent uh, start to his career. Uh, But there's so many variables on that wide receiver depth chart right now, plus the quarterback situation. It's a pretty fluid situation to try to predict
0: yeah yeah you'd like to help i would imagine you're probably saying those numbers if that's with the cousins returning and i think that's fairly reasonable um i i think he's a guy that when fully healthy could hopefully stretch the field uh, i think more sense and just probably good for morale if they didn't bring d back and brought garçon maybe back on a one or two year deal let Doxson kind of be that deep threat, and you know you got a whole bunch out of Crowder last year. I mean, that guy as much as no as much as you don't want to respect him because he's five, you know five eight. He just he just gets the job done. So if he could be your wide receiver too, let Doxson you know be that deep threat guy, be that Kenny Stills type of player in your offense. I I think that's a pretty reasonable goal. I, seven hundred yards, five touchdowns. I'd like to think he's maybe there's you know eight touchdown potential just because he can do so, some things for you in the red zone, I, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm going to up the ante and see eight touchdowns. You know, would you be okay with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would definitely be okay with that.
0: <laughs> would, uh, would have so rather had it last some...
1: year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would have rather had it last year after I spent the third overall pick in our 16-team league on him, but yeah, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, as somebody who's had James James Jameson Crowder as their wide receiver too in that same league, uh, uh uh yeah, you know what I mean. Uh but anyway, obviously there is probably some changes coming to this uh to the D anybody a certain IDP bump.
1: Well, I don't know if it's really an IDP bump as much as an on-the-field bump, but I think there's nowhere to go but up for Bashad Breeland, uh, the cornerback who was really solid in 2015, but basically fell apart in 2016. His IDP numbers were still decent, but uh, you know, if he pl- if he plays that bad again, it wouldn't surprise me to see him benched. But I do think he will bounce back and uh, and be the starter all the season. You know, playing opposite Josh Norman means a lot of opportunities. He just needs to get his confidence back. If he does end up getting benched sometimes throughout the year, uh, I believe the uh, f- uh, the cornerback fuller was a third round pick last year he might be a guy to keep an eye on okay now i guess
0: what what are your thoughts are they they think they're going to go back to the four three
1: what 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 have you heard Uh, I think they're going to keep a lot of the things in place that they already had. Uh, Minuski obviously was promoted from within. He was the linebacker's coach last year. So I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of uh, major schematic uh, changes, but they do have a lot of free agents in the front seven. So uh, that could change depending on who they lose and bring back and, and uh, sign from elsewhere too.
0: Okay. Yeah. When you change things around, you kind of look look at that situation like the Bears had a few years ago and they went to the, four three and all of a sudden jared allen was an outside linebacker ID the idp world was bumming but uh he, if they do make that change i would hope it mean preston smith puts his hand in the ground maybe it wouldn't be the best thing for ryan kerrigan although he could still play like a strong side type of role but uh yeah, we'll see we'll see what it brings and you you wonder what that good does to a guy like Sue Cravens if they if they decide to make that change. So they, I mean they this team is obviously built more for the three four, but it just hasn't been that great, especially against the run and you know, maybe they can address those type of situations, um in the draft, but uh Baker's a guy that that's been really really solid, and if he makes the change back to defensive tackle, trans, the transition back to the defensive tackle designation, he's a guy that I would really really like to have in my IDP roster. Just a just a real gamer. So uh, so draft needs, Nick. Obviously, the, there's a a few of them. What do you got?
1: Well, they've got lots of cap space and a lot of holes, so it's tough to say what need what their needs are going to be uh, come draft day. Assuming that Cousins is still there and that the wide receiver position is settled, I think they would have to go defensive line or safety. Uh, the couple guys you mentioned, uh, Chris Baker, he's going to be a free agent, uh, and Sua Cravens, uh, you know, is rumored to be moving to safety. But even with him moving to safety, they need another one. They they've been searching for a playmaker at that position since Sean Taylor was murdered.
0: And what is the first pick? Where's
1: it at? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. Um, Probably 20-ish. Okay. I have not done the
0: mock draft this year. I usually write one, and I just, I don't know, I've been doing other things. So I, uh, things when you start, it's really hard to stop. So I just decided not to, uh, uh, not to do it. Yeah, 17, or number 17. So probably past Jamal Adams' territory, which which does not, not – that's not good. I would love to see him. I think that would be a nice fit in that defense, a guy that certainly would make a difference in the box. Uh, but then again, you know, if, if Sue was moving to safety, he's probably more of a strong safety than a free safety. So maybe you're looking at a guy like a second round, like a, uh, like a Buda Baker, uh, a guy that could just absolutely fly, a little undersized, but uh, Washington's never had that problem before there with their, well, obviously with guys like Daryl Green and D'Angelo Hall. I would say Hall's actually a pretty good comp for Budabaker, so I like him. I think, um, you know, gosh, if Barnett would slip to 17, I think you guys would be really happy with him, even though I think he's more of a 4-3 guy. If you if you put him along that line, I think he's a guy that could add some weight. You know, he's he's in that two two sixty. He could probably blow, balloon up to two seventy, two eighty, um, and not not slow him down too much. I think he could hold up in a three four. I got some concerns there for that, but I think, like I said, he's a guy that's probably better suited for a four three. Um, offensive line, you got indeed there, Nick.
1: Well, we could always get depth uh, on the offensive line, and left guard is a position that could be upgraded and uh, possibly center as well. But, uh, you know, the, the tackle positions I think were pretty set.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay, But, yeah, I think I think what, the main thing there is kind of rebuilding that defense. So I'd look to see them probably do defense the first two rounds, maybe even with the first three rounds. Is that, is that a pretty fair guesstimate?
1: Uh, yes, unless the wide receiver position does not get addressed in free agency, and then I think they would have to add somebody in the first couple of rounds. Two one first
0: first-round first wide receivers two years in a row, huh? All
1: right.
0: Um, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, is Dak Prescott likely? I didn't Write this through. Is Dak Prescott more likely To double his INT Total of 4 Or surpass his TD Total of 23 What do you think
1: Oh, I thought it was uh the question would be double the touchdown total as well but uh i either way i think yeah uh, he's more likely to have eight interceptions i think uh he had a great rookie season but uh you know eight interceptions is still a very good season uh it's way more likely i think he, you know especially if Dallas gives the youngster a little more freedom to throw down the field in year 2 that would uh result in more chances being taken and probably more interceptions as well uh but you know even if he has you know 28 touchdowns and eight interceptions that's still a pretty darn good year
0: and and where do you see
1: Dak you know
0: in a couple of years is he this Tyrod Taylor type of guy that's not flashy not an elite fantasy player but still just gets the job done you know kind of a fringe top 10 guy or or do you think he could really take that next step and be something special
1: he could take that next step, but I don't think Dallas needs him to take that next step when they have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. Uh, he just really, the yeah, game manager is what's going to fit that offense best. So even if he has the ability to be a top five fantasy quarterback, I don't think Dallas is going to ask him to do that. Yeah. And, you know, we've see, we have
0: seen him being able to throw downfield. So I know a complex friend of mine was pretty frustrated that we weren't seeing that, letting him do that more often so we'll see we'll see what that uh brings a guy that certainly could step in the next step but like you said he doesn't need to to be a top five to to make this to make this dallas engine go so um we'll see though i think he's a guy that you know he could be that alex smith type of game manager a guy that's going to give you 500 grounds 500 yards on the ground every year which is which is not necessarily something you can always depend on, but that's that's certainly a nice little nice little bump for your Q B. Who can step up to be an IDP leader for this Dallas defensive line, Nick?
1: Well, I don't love any of these guys, but I think the biggest upside has to be the 2014 uh, 34th overall pick, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, he's had some injury issues. He only played nine games last season, and he had a suspension as well. Uh, in 2015, though, he played all 16 games and had 55 tackles and eight sacks. Uh, you know, given the fact that pass rushers, like we say, take time to develop and that he's in a contract year in 2017, I think he could possibly have a big year.
0: Yeah, Um the name, the guy's name escaped me. I, I like Lawrence a lot too. I think he's certainly a guy that, that brings a lot to the table there for Dallas. Uh, Crawford, Tyrone Crawford is a guy I thought was okay. I don't know if he's a leader. He's just more of a situational type of player. Um, Got the guy. Who did they get from Philadelphia last year? I didn't write his name down. I thought it was. Uh, Cedric Thornton, excuse me, another guy, another guy, uh, a a year with a year now in the system. I think he's a guy that they could use a little bit more uh, in a few different places. A guy that they can certainly let uh, let fly around. Um, Malik Collins, I think they certainly got a lot more out of him than they expected to. So, Uh, but like Nick said, Lawrence, Lawrence, if can he could step up and be that guy you know that guy that double digit that guy he could certainly help help stabilize a lot of this defense when you always have a weapon like that on the other side so uh what about Byron Jones do you think he can become that a top 15 db he's, he's kind of the the only man left with with Carr, Church and Claiborne and JJ Wilcox all going into free agency They also have Jeff Heath and rookie last year Kavon Frazier, but Jones is not the only guy with a lot of experience left in the secondary. Does that mean he could step up and be that top top 15 DB, Nick?
1: Well, possibly. He's certainly trending that way. Uh, he started out with 66 tackles as a rookie, and that, that number was up to 89 in his second year last season. Uh, he's a former first-round pick, so he's got the draft pedigree. Uh, Six-foot 205, he's not the biggest defensive back, but, yeah, I think he's going to be a really nice IDP performer for years to come. Uh, the only hit on him is he's only got one interception in two years. So if your league uh, is a really heavy interception scoring type of league, then his stock would take a little bit of a hit. But in standard IDP leagues, yeah, I, I think he it will be a top 15 uh, defense. Be in the future.
0: Yeah, and he's a speed guy too. He's one of those guys that blew up the combine with a with a nice forty time. So when you have a, a safety that has a lot of speed, that hopefully can lead to some tackle potential. I I think there'll be a lot of stress on him this year, so I might—I wouldn't be surprised to make him, maybe see him take a step back this year. But I think he's certainly a player that has has that type of ability. And, and, and safety is kind of up and down position, you know. It's a little like corner where there's a, there's a handful of top guys, but and then and then there's a, a bunch of guys that you could find on the waiver wire every week. But I think I think Jones can step up and be one of those guys that you're consistently playing. Just because he's he's got experience now and he's got a lot of speed, and a lot, brings a lot to the table. And like I said, with them potentially overhauling their entire secondary, they're going to really need him to step up and be a leader, and lead by example. Uh, draft needs, Nick. I got uh, obviously DB with them with a lot of guys entering free, in free agency. Uh, wide receiver is I think a position they need with with Butler and uh, Terrence Williams leaving, and, and maybe a an, an, an running back that's not not. 28 years old, what do you think?
1: Well, I think it might be tempting to add another weapon for Dak, especially, like you mentioned, Terrence Williams being a free agent. But I just think the secondary is a far bigger concern, especially with all the free agents that you mentioned, uh, Carr, Claiborne, and Church. Uh, You know, the team also has swung and missed on defensive linemen in the past in the early rounds, uh, most notably Randy Gregory. So I wouldn't rule out defensive line either.
0: Yeah. Uh, So – Especially, excuse me, if somebody falls to them, there's certainly a, a need there. Um, yeah, I, them losing, you know, guys and Witten certainly up there in age. I, I could see like a like a Curtis Samuel guy I think would work well in that defense. Not to mention former teammate was Ezekiel Elliott on that offense, I should say, just as a nice third down slasher back. I think that's my uh, – I think I should patent that term, slasher back. That's my – my that's my turn. I don't know. If it, I don't think anybody else it's anyway. <laughs> but um, we know Jerry can't pass on on weapons and tight end of the future is certainly something to look at too. With this being a deep class, I can see I can see Dallas making a splash and maybe doing that round two, round three. Uh, Witten's going to be 35 pretty soon, so uh, certainly something to look at there. DB's got to be the top top option. We'll see who's around when they pick there in the late later stages of the first round. Let's move on to the New York Giants, Nick. Does the cutting of Richard Jennings open a door of confidence for Paul Perkins or a window for the G-Men drafting an RB early? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's kind of a combination of both. I think they're going to draft not they're not going to draft a running back in the first round, but I think it will be early enough that it'll be a running back by committee situation. Uh, that's probably the best thing for the team. But I do think Paul Perkins will be the head of that running back by committee. He's a, he's a good player. Uh, 456 yards as a rookie, 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, went over 100 yards in week 17, the the week that he had the most touches. Uh, I, I do think he's still going to be the defense running back number one. I, I do I I just think that maybe somewhere between rounds three. To five somewhere, they'll probably probably add another back there to uh, lighten the workload a little bit.
0: Yeah, like I mentioned earlier too, there's a lot of there's a lot of AP to the Giants' buzz. I, I just don't know if they have an offense line to to help the, an older guy out like that. I know AP says he can bounce back, but you know he is getting getting up there. But I I don't know. I I would not be shocked if the Giants put a first round pick on a running back if if Dalvin Cook and and for our Fournette is there I, I would not be surprised. Uh, update I think Leonard Fournette reported to the combine at two forty, a little heavier than his playing weight, so uh, certainly something to uh, keep your eye on there. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I I, I don't know. I I like Perkins, but I think he's more of a complimentary back. I don't think he's an RB one. I don't think you can give the, him give him the ball fifteen times a game, and ex- expect him to to be that pace sitter You know, and get eighty to a hundred yards. I just don't think he's he's that type of player. So I, I that's why I'm not would not be shocked to see to see them grab a, a Fournette or a cook there. Uh, what about Roger Lewis, a guy I really liked last year coming out. Um, Bit of a, a smaller school kid, Bowling Green had some had some off the field troubles, but uh, the Giants to take a chance on him. Uh, can, can he take advantage of the hole that was opened up when the when Victor Cruz was cut? Nick, what do you think?
1: Uh, I don't really trust it. I think they're going to add another receiver. He only had seven catches last year. Uh, You know, he did get a chance to start one week as a wide receiver three in place of uh, Victor Cruz in week 10. He only had one catch on four targets for two yards. I just don't see him as being rosterable at this point. I I would be very surprised if the Giants didn't upgrade at the wide receiver three position. Well,
0: I will, will say this. Victor Cruz didn't have a single target his rookie year, so. Maybe, maybe there's something there. I, I I think there's a guy that he's a guy that's got a lot of athleticism, brings a lot to the table, and with other you know two great wide receivers in front of him, I think he could potentially do some damage. Not not a whole lot of production out of him as a rookie year, but I think uh, I think there's certainly uh, he's certainly in a play that's intriguing me. I'm not going out out there breaking down doors to roster him, but he's certainly somebody I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, another kind of stab in the dark for the Giants is you know, this I don't think this defense is bad. Obviously they gotta they gotta re up but uh you know the like this linebacker core took a lot of heat last year, especially in the IDP community. Uh now they now they potentially have an opening at middle linebacker. They drafted B J Goodson out of Clemson last year. C- can he be counted on at at, at that position, Nick, there's the man in the middle for the Giants. What do you think?
1: Uh, maybe. I mean, a fourth rounder last year from Clemson, he's got good size, six one, two forty two, 242. And last year's starter, uh, Kelvin Shepard, who is a free agent, he struggled, uh, to put it lightly. I think, you know, if the team doesn't add a new middle linebacker, yes, he'll be the starter. But I do think they are going to address the linebacker position at some point. I'm just not sure if they're going to focus more on adding outside linebackers or middle linebackers. So a lot remains to be seen, but he, there's a decent chance that he'll be the starter.
0: Yeah, Jonathan Casillas is still there. I can see him maybe get a chance in the middle. Keenan Robinson was there. Obviously, he has the history of playing in the middle. He is a free agent now, too. You'd like to think if they're going to get somebody in the middle there, they want to get like a real blue-chip prospect like a Ruben Foster or maybe even a Zach Cunningham or kind of one of those freaky athletes like Jared Davis out of Florida. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Goodson. Could end up being the being the starter there, start of week one. So he's certainly a guy that will be be getting rostered throughout the summer if that's looking like that's going to happen. So a guy to keep your eye on. Not a not an overall you know great freak athlete, but I, I think a guy that could get the job done. He seems more of like a uh, Kevin Minter than a than obviously like a, a Luke Kuechly or a top notch player, but. Uh, We'll see we'll see how that ends up there. um other linebackers, not a lot of, not a lot of love there for Cannard. I do like Devon Kennard. He's super super quick off the edge. J T Thomas is not a guy that I put in a whole lot of stress on. Um Casillas is a veteran that's been around that can can make some plays, but uh yeah, that, that's that's probably their main focus, I think, if you're drafting for the defensive side of the ball, probably to get a, a linebacker or two in there, don't you think, Nick?
1: Moving on to draft needs here. Yeah, definitely linebacker. You know, offensive line and tight end are maybe possibilities. Um, running back, Alton, you mentioned, but I think that's less likely, but possible at Fournette or Cooker there. But I, I do think they're probably going to go linebacker. It just seems to be the biggest weakness uh, right now. Devon Kennard, JT Thomas, DJ Goodson penciled in as the starters on the depth chart. Uh, they, they could definitely stand upgrade at, at those position at that position. Yeah, O line they
0: could. Probably used to be there. Tight end, maybe. Just it's a deep class. They did bring Will Ty back. Larry didn't know was cut loose. They have Jarrell Adams out of South Carolina, who who a lot of people are pretty intrigued by. He could maybe be a guy that steps up there. So uh,
1: that's
0: all we have for you on the Giants. Oh, and I think Eli, I think they said Eli only
1: has two more years left,
0: so ponder that. But uh, let's get to the four or against. Nick. Now this is the segment we do every so often. We take one player, one of us takes a four side, one of us takes an against side, and then we each bring four talking points to the table as we, as we get it all out there in the open. So let's play the music. It's time for Four or Against. All right, Nick had the four sides, so he will go
1: first. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, Cole Beasley led Dallas in receptions and yards last season, 75 for 833. Uh, he even had two more targets than Des Bryant. And with Jason Witten still there, that's uh, impressive that uh, Cole Beasley's numbers beat all of those guys.
0: Okay. I think the cat's kind of out of the bag. Uh, the book is fully open now after a great season and him putting up a respectable 98 targets on film, I think teams will be, teams will be well-versed in how to slow him down.
1: Well, you know, bigger wide receivers are able to outmuscle defenders for the ball. But at five foot eight, 180 pounds, Cole Beasley's unable to do that. Instead, his agility and short area quickness help him to get wide open. And if you're a young quarterback like Dak Prescott, do you want to throw it to a covered Des Bryant and hope that he comes down with it, or just dump it off to a wide open Cole Beasley, knowing that he's going to move the chains? That's an easy choice. God, I had no idea he's five eight,
0: uh, but I'll get to his short area quickness here in a second. I think he's reached his peak. I already, I already mentioned the preparedness teams will take towards Beasley. I think he deserves that kind of respect, but that, but I don't think he is a hundred catch one thousand yard re- receiver. I just, I, I don't, I don't just don't think he is. What do you think?
1: You're probably right. He's probably not going to get 100 catches in a year, but he is a PPR machine. In 2016, his worst line was two catches for 23 yards, and then he also had two uh, games where he only had three catches, one of which was week 17, uh, which didn't hurt any fantasy owners. But he had uh, four or more receptions in all the other 13 weeks, so that's a pretty nice floor for PPR leagues. Points.
0: Um Terrence Williams, like I mentioned earlier, Terrence Williams, Bryce Butler, both free agents. Jason Witten is almost my age. Uh, actually, he's only 35. I wish I was still late in again. Um, in addition, Derek, Baron McFadden, and Alfred Morris are basically twilighting. They're winding down at this point in times in their career. So basically, I look for Dallas to add at least one, make one big weapon splash in both free agency and the draft. So probably two weapons on this offense. To help their young QB make their young QB's job easier, even if it's like a third-down slasher back, like I mentioned earlier with a guy like Curtis Samuel, Beasley's targets will be affected.
1: Well, I kind of go the other way on that. Uh, you know, Terrence Williams had nearly 600 yards in 2016. He's going to be free agent could be gone. Uh, if whoever Dallas brings in to replace him struggles to fit into the offense, that would be 61 targets that have to go somewhere. And also another guy you mentioned, Jason Witten, at age 35, may be unable to handle the 95 targets that he saw last year again. Uh, either way, I think Beasley stands a decent chance to see an increased w- workload in 2017. Okay, up in the ante
0: um well like i said i'll get to the short area quickness here it's not the be all end all but i am such a huge fan of players who clock a sub seven second three cone so i went back to look at beasley's combine numbers now he maybe ran a four four nine forty time which is pretty nice but again he's just five eight his his 7.163 Seven point one six three cone speaks to his short area quickness and how he's able to navigate in traffic. I do realize he gets open out there in the flat, but I think I think that the fact that he cannot get under that, that's certainly going to limit him. I realize we're talking about fractions of a second. But that could also make the difference when it comes to making an outstanding making outstanding plays. Again, it's not the end of the world, but a player if a player performs well in other areas, then clocks a sub-second three goal. And I think it's the truest icing on the cake for my subjective brain. I don't see that from Beasley When It's something you would – I would almost just assume that he was under that mark. So maybe that's why that surprised me more than anything.
1: Any other thoughts there? Uh, You said you were surprised that he's only 5'8". I was as well. I went into this fully expecting him to be 5'10". He he (laughs) plays bigger than his 5'8 frame would suggest. Yeah,
0: and he had had a hell of a year. I will give him that. But
1: don't you think he's
0: more of a – because I think he's probably reached a ceiling, wouldn't you be more willing to trade high on him?
1: If someone were to offer me enough yeah but but I do think he's a nice you know wide receiver three uh wide receiver four type um and you know provides a lot of depth, so uh he's not a guy I'm looking to get rid of, but you know everybody's got a price yeah,
0: and he's he's been relatively healthy throughout his career too, so that that certainly helps helps a whole bunch instilling uh confidence in owners. Um, Dynasty Trade Analysis, got a of five today for you. Uh, this is from DFW38, DeMarco Murray in a 2018 second for Calvin Benjamin in a 2018 third. What do you think there, Nick?
1: Uh, well, long term, definitely I have to side with the uh, the team that picked up Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Demarco Murray. Probably, you know, two three years tops left as a as a starting running back in fantasy leagues. Um, you know, I know you're moving up around while picking up the running back, but so short term Murray, but long term got to go with Benjamin. Yeah,
0: you know, Murray's getting a lot of love. I think Tennessee kind of went out. Basically, you know, he said he's still our guy. We're gonna, we're gonna use him this year. So there's, there's certainly a vote of confidence in his team. I think people are, people are using that to their advantage and seeing, seeing how far they can, how far they could push, push that type of value. That uh, since he's getting some confidence in his team, so I, I I understand the trade. You know, uh, if you're, if you're loading up for a run, Murray's probably a pretty nice play. You know, they do have Derrick Henry there, obviously. You know, obviously that's uh, that's still a concern for me, but I think it's going to take an injury from Burry to get to give Henry a full a full workload. Um, and giving up on a guy like Benjamin, you know, however you how feel about him or not, he does have the the knee ish, the knee tear on his NFL resume, so there's certainly a, an issue there. But it, I think the trade certainly makes sense. Uh, you know, loading up a loading up on a, a nice running back for. For a run given up a wide receiver, I think both teams certainly benefit there. Uh Tyrod Taylor and four point
1: two eight
0: for Jake Cutler and three point one six. What do you think?
1: Oh, I keep going back and forth and back and forth on this one I, I really so obviously it must be a pretty even trade um, I think Tyrod Taylor is slightly more likely to be a starter I think both of them are probably going to be starters somewhere in the league next year just because the league is so quarterback starved uh, but I think Taylor, uh, Taylor has a little bit more of a chance to be a starter so I'll, I guess I'll lean toward, toward his side but if Jay Cutler ends up starting also I think that side might win uh, again very very close
0: yeah you know there's some jay i think it came out after this trade excuse me but there's a lot of jay cutler retirement buzz so that that certainly comes into play here um but and i feel like even if he doesn't retire it'll be some team maybe you know come on be our starting quarterback for one year and we we know what what hundred percent invested Jay Cutler looks like if he's if he's got one foot <laughs> in retirement and and playing you know playing just to make it through the year I I, I certainly want the tire side. I I think I think I'd have to go tire out on this one all the way uh, Julio Jones for Sammy Watkins one point zero six and one point one one what
1: do you think. Now, do you know the league size? Is this a standard uh, 12-ish team league, or is this maybe DFW 36 uh, or 48? I, uh,
0: the it, Yeah, I do not know. I do not know anything about this one. <laughs> I just
1: pulled
0: well, it up well, Twitter. It's, I, I would assume 12-team 12, 12 PPR, but I, that's just me
1: assuming. <laughs> Okay, because if this was DFW 48, where there's four copies of each player, that 1.06 and 1.10 would be far more valuable than in, a, of course, a 12-team league. Assuming it is a standard 12-ish team, uh, assuming it's a normal type of league, I think I'm going to go with the, the Julio Jones side. That's, you know, one of the top two receivers in fantasy, him and Antonio Brown. Um you know, it's a lot of draft capital to give up two first-round picks, but they're not, you know, early first-rounders. So you're still just kind of throwing darts at that point. So I, I've got to go with the the proven elite talent in Julio Jones. Yeah, and
0: you look, guys. I was kind of looking at this guys that went in that what between those one point zero six and one point one zero. Kenneth Dixon, Boyd, you know, Michael Thomas was kind of a one point eight, one point nine in a lot of leagues. So there's certainly A talent to be had there and you get a couple shots at it but julio's certainly a much safer bet watkins has got so much injury history and that that team is in disarray you know they're still not not fully confident in tyrod being their guy oh you know watkins is default the best receiver on that team right now with robert woods in free agency potentially but yeah. Julio is just the much safer side to take. It it seems weird to give up two picks, but since we know what exactly the pick numbers are on this one, you've got to go with the Julio side. Uh Ty excuse me. Terrell Pryor. I couldn't say that word for a second. Terrell Pryor for Cameron Meredith
1: and pick two
0: point one zero. What do you think?
1: Well, I like Terrell Pryor, but I feel like he's maybe being a little bit overrated considering he's only played wide receiver for one season, and he is in his late 20s. So I think I would have to side with the team that picked up the younger Meredith and a draft pick on top of that, even though I do like Pryor.
0: Yeah, and it's a layer pick, and, you know, Pryor does only have that one year. He's a free agent. We'll see where he ends up and what his – Usage will be. I'm not saying somebody's going to sign him and not use him, but you know it might, might be might be different. He might be a wide receiver too. You know, maybe he's maybe he goes to Arizona where you would like that value, but he's not. You know, he's not getting Larry Fitzgerald's eight targets. He's 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 more of a complementary piece. He's more of a you know maybe somebody views him as more of the you know that that factor back that that wildcat player. And I'm not saying that's all he is. He Put up great numbers last year for Cleveland, but a lot of that was because he was the only healthy receiver on that team. Seems like for much <laughs> of the year, so he he maybe reached his peak. Um, and I got no problem with somebody trying to capitalize on that. So I, Meredith, you know, with news of the Bears not going to tag, not likely not bringing back Elson Jeffrey, that's that's good news for Meredith, and I'm glad I own at least one copy of him, so I can take advantage of that. Uh, what do you? This one we maybe I've maybe finally found my uh, my limit on uh ty is not worth this. But what do you think? about ty Hilton for Devontae, Excuse me, ty Hilton for Dante Moncrief, Eric Ebron, and a two thousand eighteen first.
1: What do you think? Uh, it's hard to say without knowing what kind of team is giving up that first round pick. Is it likely to be a yeah. early or later first round pick? Uh, but if you're giving up that much for one guy, I'm thinking he's probably making a run at a championship. So it's probably going to be a later first round pick. So, you know, if that's the case, I have no problem giving that up for T Y Hilton. Uh, who's, you know, a pretty much week in week out starter there in that Indianapolis offense.
0: So what does it mean? I guess <laughs> it. I've been going back, a little bit back and forth on this one, but it feels like that's a lot for TY. So I think when I look at this trade, Nick, what does it mean when I think, like, I wouldn't trade that for TY, but I would take that for TY? Does,
1: is that,
0: does that mean I'm picking a side? <laughs> I can't.
1: Yeah, you know, that, I've felt that way about <laughs> trades myself. So, yeah, I definitely understand <laughs> where you're coming from.
0: So I I guess I like the other side. I mean, I still think there's a lot there with Moncrief, and obviously T.Y. keeps him down a, l- a little bit to some to some aspects. But he's the second best wide right receiver on that team, and Ebron, if he's healthy, has been a very solid player. And if even if that's the 12th overall pick, I, I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I, it, T.Y., T.Y. is getting up there in age. I think. Two years from now, you know, Moncrief and T.Y.'s value could be flipped. It could be turned upside down, and we're valuing Moncrief a lot more than we are T.Y. So I I, I just like that other side, I guess. Uh, Time for uh, best number 52, staying in the
1: linebacker range probably. Nick, what do you got for us? Well, this is definitely a longer list than uh, the last few of them. Uh, First off, if you had to take a number 52 in the NFL right now, it would have to be Khalil Mack. He's the best current number 52, arguably the top linebacker in the league. Uh, Clay Matthews is, of course, more accomplished, though, having played for longer, a six-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Next up, a couple of three-time Pro Bowl linebackers. Dexter Coakley, who started all but one game from 1997 through 2004 with Dallas before going to the Rams for his final two years. And then John Beeson, who had a great start to his career. Pro Bowler from uh, 2008 through 2010 until injuries derailed his promising career. Uh, Linebacker Pepper Johnson only went to two Pro Bowls, but he also won two Super Bowls with the Giants in seven years before playing with the Browns, Lions, and Jets. Uh, Over 100 solo tackles in four seasons. Uh, now, one of my favorite things about doing these lists is uncovering names that I wasn't aware of. And Houston Oilers linebacker uh, Robert Brazil definitely fits that description. Seven straight Pro Bowls from 1976 through 1982, unofficially uh, 1,281 tackles. That would rank second in Oilers and Titans all-time history. Uh, Now, it's hard to believe there's three number 52s better than a seven-time Pro Bowler like Brazil, but I have to put another seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, Patrick Willis, ahead of Brazil. Uh, Willis was only 29 when he retired. I guess not many seven-time Pro Bowlers retired that young, and Willis was really the gold standard for middle linebackers in the league for much of his career. Iron Mike Webster played center for 17 years in the NFL, 15 of those in Pittsburgh, winning four Super Bowls, was a five-time All-Pro, nine-time Pro Pro Bowler, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1997. He was very, very close to being the the top of the list. But you know what? 13 Pro Bowls is an insane number, and and Ray Lewis was an insane middle linebacker, the most feared player in the league for over a decade. Ray Lewis played his entire career in Baltimore from 1996 through 2012, had over 2,000 tackles, 20 fumble recoveries, 19 forced fumbles, 31 interceptions. It wasn't as easy as a decision. I thought it would be going into my research, but Ray Lewis is definitely our top number 52 of all time.
0: Yeah, he he certainly stands out. Webster was, I mean, for for a fantasy show, we don't give offensive linemen a lot lot of love, obviously, but Webster was certainly a, a a name when you think about all-time great offensive linemen. He's certainly a name, a guy that was super successful and a and a linchpin for an offensive line there for a lot of a lot of years. Uh, Pepper Johnson was another guy. I love a couple, couple Super Bowl rings with the Giants there. Uh, Coke, good good points there on Cokeley. And obviously, I would be remiss being a South Dakota boy if I didn't mention uh, Chad Greenway, who's likely hanging it up. Uh, but to, yeah. You know, it's it's hard to to really pick and choose between Willis and and Lewis because I feel like if Willis had hung around for six more years, we would probably be talking about him as as the same type of player. But you got to give the the longevity nod there to to, uh, to Ray. But I mean, you know, we talk about like we talked about with these other middle linebackers a few weeks ago with Singletary. And butt kiss, and you know, I think Willis probably changed that position a little bit. You know, Lewis is maybe more of the old school guy. Obviously, your middle linebacker is going to make a lot of tackles, but Willis was just an absolute animal. And not not to take anything away from Ray Lewis, I think you're right there being the best number fifty two. But uh, you know, Lewis just Lewis simply got. I think Lewis got the job done. He was he was feared, but I mean Lewis. Patrick Willis was absolutely crazy. I mean, I just, you shouldn't be that fast and play middle linebacker. I feel like he was going to run out of his shoes half the time. He was such a fun player to watch. And where Lewis is definitely better because of the longevity. I think it's pretty close between those two. I mean, it, I think if you asked every NFL GM right now if you could start, you know, with with these two guys at the age of 24, I think, I think you'd get I think you get a pretty split decision. I think they, both of these guys would certainly get get a lot of love there. So it's it's close, but yeah, I think I think Ray Lewis has to get the back. So uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Um, I hope you don't get yard barking emails, Nick, because uh, one of the most fabulous trivia questions popped into my email <laughs> this morning, uh, based on, of course, your Kirk Cousins situation. There have been twenty three Nick starting quarterbacks since your Redskins beat the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. What was that? Ninety two. Twenty three different guys started. Yeah, twenty three different guys have started for quarterback. How, how many guys do you think you can name? Now this Who is your team. So um, I, I think I think you could do more than half. I I, I look at the list. I think you could do more than half. Lay it
1: on us. <laughs> Big breath. Um, <laughs> Kurt Cousins, Robert Griffin, Colt McCoy—they all McCoy got to start somewhere in there, yeah. Oh yeah, going
0: backwards.
1: Okay. I like. It. Um, now it's going to get random though. After the, the three current ones, uh, let's go with uh, Trent Green, Gus Frerotte, yeah, Heath Schuler. Uh, your favorite oh, player, Heath Tony Shuler. Banks. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jeff George, Brad Johnson. Um now it starts getting tougher. Uh I already said Trent Green, I think. hmm You're getting a couple Florida
0: quarterbacks in there.
1: Oh yeah, with the uh <laughs> Danny Warful. Uh, Shane Matthews, yeah, they have yeah. the uh, <laughs> the old ball coach years. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, another first round pick. I forgot Patrick Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to draw blank at this point. That's over half though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you say the Auburn quarterback that also played for the Raiders?
1: Oh, Jason Campbell. No, I did not say Jason. Yeah. Campbell. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, we'll give you more than half. Um, I don't know who the hell Gary Conklin is. He was the first guy afterward <laughs> in '93. Uh, Rich I Gannon also in '93. Yeah, Rich Gannon
1: also in mm, '93. Yeah.
0: You got Gus Farratt, Um Four awesome years with the Ferrat. Was that the was that the uh, somewhere in there the head the head the head to the sidelines. Give yeah, yeah,
1: the when discussion. he headbutted the, head- head-butted the wall <laughs> yeah. and missed the rest of the season. Yeah,
0: okay. I uh, did not get John Freeze, I don't believe. He
1: was 94.
0: Uh, that was pre-Heath Shuler. So, Heath Schuler, you got – did you say Jeff Hostetler?
1: No, I missed the Hostetler.
0: Yeah, Hostetler just one year, 97. You got Trent Green, Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Tony Banks, Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, Danny Werfel, uh, Tim Hasselbeck, Hasselbeck, excuse me. He was one year. Uh, Mark Brunel, I don't think you got that one either. Uh, Jason Campbell, you got – I don't think you got Todd Collins. Did you get Sexy Rexy? No, Rex I missed
1: Griffin. Sexy Rexy. Yeah, and I uh, even saw Todd three Collins start a game in Minnesota. How did I forget that? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: th- and three, yeah, three Florida quarterbacks. And th- did you say Donovan McNabb?
1: Nope, nope, I I think my brain oh, okay. intentionally forgot about him. Uh,
0: <laughs> and then how could you forget John Beck, two thousand eleven? Come on. Uh <laughs> but you did pretty good. He did pretty good. Nice work. Uh I I could not have named that many Raiders quarterbacks. I'm I'm almost positive. Uh Because, yeah. yeah. We stuck with Jamarcus Russell too long. So maybe there wasn't as many, but uh, I don't think I could have done that. So. Nice work. That is all we have for you this week. Uh next week we are doing Sorry. We're doing some division. Uh <laughs> AFC South. Sorry. Sorry for the delay. It will be doing AFC South next week. Um and I'll figure out a dilemma and a it's probably within the division. Although I have some good free agency dilemmas in me, so maybe maybe there'll be some big free agency signings. Well, maybe not. Maybe not by next week. But we'll uh maybe there's some deals in principle or something like that. So they will we'll address that next week. Uh, make sure you stay in tune to uh, DFW for uh, lots of rookie profiles. We're taking out a lot of rookie rookie profiles. Had a good Q&A about who we're looking at f- for the combine starting uh this weekend so we'll obviously be watching that intently and reworking our rankings you know make all those guys at the fast 40 times at the the head of the class essentially so obviously i'm kidding but uh we will uh we will talk to you next week nick uh afc south style
1: Sounds good. And one last piece of news. I just got a headline that the Eagles are going to consider signing Jamal Charles given the history that he has with Doug Peterson. So that might be a nice uh, boost to their backfield if he was able to come back healthy. Okay,
0: and I forgot to mention the least number important, 52-2. I just remember that. His name is Joe M. Stutz. I'm sorry if I said that last name wrong. He played... Won like three games for the Cleveland Browns in 1951, I believe it was. At center, six foot five, 264 pounds. So, Gerald Joseph Ambustutz, the most, least important number 52 of all time. So there you go. Thanks for indulging me with trivia, Nick. Make sure you all check out fantasydata.com. That's our sponsor, and they are awesome. So you got you have to check it out. And they're and they're more than just football. If you're playing foot, baseball, fantasy hockey, they even they even have golf and a lot of daily stuff there too. So make sure you check that out. Maybe they don't have golf. Don't quote me on that. But they got daily content. They got uh, salary salary recasts and stuff like that. So check it out. fantasydata.com Com. Tell them we sent you. They would love they would love to uh, help you beat your friends. So check it out. Nick, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds
1: good. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty World Podcast with Nikki,
0: Gail Taylor, Hugh Fleischer, and Joshua Johnson. Ryan R. People!